if you are a leader who knows they have been put on this earth to excel as a great leader and make a lasting impact on those entrusted to them to lead, you are going to absolutely love listening to our guest today. Uh, Reverend and Dr. William Beachy currently serves as an Associate Professor of Pastoral Leadership and Spiritual Formation for Ashland Theological Seminary. And he's also the founder of Beachy Consulting, providing services to individuals, nonprofits, churches, educational institutions, businesses, and corporations. And Bill and I met, had a connection because of the E2Grow High Performing Teams program. And I invited him on this podcast to share some of the success that he's had working with Doubting Industries, one of his clients in the high performing teams and now high performing leaders programs. You're going to hear his success story, but you're also going to hear so, so, so much more from listening to Bill. He just has such a wisdom about him of life in general. You can hear his years of being a pastor coming through and everything he teaches, his expertise on strengths, and just so many great nuggets that he will share. So I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as I enjoyed having the conversation with Bill. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Navigating Your Leadership podcast, where we are changing the wave of the future. Like it or not, the world has changed. And as an exceptional leader, you have to change with it or risk being left behind. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Miter. I'm here to help you navigate this new leadership style. Inside the podcast, you'll discover what your team really wants and needs from you, how to tap into your God-given talents, how to increase your productivity with a strengths-based team, and how to realign with your North Star to truly enjoy your work and your life. This podcast will inspire and empower you today so you can elevate your influence into the future. If you're ready to step out of your comfort zone, then untie those dock lines and jump on board as we begin navigating your leadership. Welcome, everybody, to the Navigating Your Leadership podcast. This is your host, Sherry Miter. And today I am having, well, we've already started a great conversation <laughs> with my new friend, Dr. William Beachy. And we were introduced through our mutual e to grow partners and workshop. And I was told I had to connect with Bill and it has been a great connection. This is our second time having conversations and we've already been talking for a half an hour and it's like, okay, we need to hit the record button because so much good stuff is being shared. And I hope you, the listeners today, you enjoy hearing from Bill as much as I've enjoyed the conversations I've had with him. So welcome to the podcast, Bill. Oh, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here, Sherry. Great to be with you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And why don't we start by just having you share a little bit about who you are, or what you do today, and how you got here? Oh, wow. That's, you know, giving me a microphone and asking me that kind of question. We might be here a while, but I will be as focused as I possibly can. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a grandfather. Those are the three key ingredients. And so the titles that I have are honey, or as my wife says, she calls me Dr. Cuddles, but I don't let anybody else call me that. That's hers. My kids call me daddy and my grandkids call me Baba. And those titles are the ones that mean the most to me. You know, of all, you know, I could 
line up the degrees behind my name, but those or the, I'm an ordained minister, the reverend in front of it, but those three names are the most endearing to me and the ones that I love the most for my family. I'm a, a seminary professor. I am um, have spent a lot of years as a pastor in a local church. I took early retirement in 2014, am now very successfully flunking retirement. And my wife says, how long are you going to be flunking retirement? And I said, well, I'm just, I'm having too much fun. So I went, I've been in and out of the academy. I've served at a, at a couple of um, educational institutions and leadership and administration, those sorts of things. When I left the local church, I, I came to the conclusion at, at age 62, right before that, I thought, okay, I have had 62 years of life. They've been wonderful. Well, maybe there's a year or two in there that, you know, are good to look back on and, and not try to remember all the difficulties of some of those times. But I went, okay, I've got, how much time do I have left? And what do I want to do? How important in it? And the, there was a sense of urgency. So I just simply said, God, what do you want me to do? And I was the pastor of a very large church, you know, a million dollar a budget that we had to raise every year, 17 full-time staff, those sorts of things. And I just felt like I was supposed to move from that large platform to a smaller platform and begin to work with people more one-on-one. -on -one. So I began to teach adjunct for the seminary that I'm currently employed. And a couple of years after I started teaching adjunct, they asked me to go full-time and develop a curriculum for a program from a Lilly grant. Lilly Endowment gave us a million dollars to develop a five-year program to work with pastors. And so I went, yeah, I'll do that. And so I'm in the fifth year doing that. Now, along the way, along the way, you know, I was introduced to Clifton Strengths 15 years ago. And that was from a lifelong friend of mine who told me about it. And I knew that there were some things that we needed to do at my church with our large staff to bring people together, the leadership and do some leadership development. So he introduced me to Clifton Strengths. And he came in and did a little bit of consulting work for us, but I was very intrigued by it. We utilized, I found that empathy is one of my lower strengths. And so there was kind of the joke among the staff, if there was somebody in the hospital that really needed somebody to come in and hold their hand and care for them, you know, they'd say, don't let Bill go, you know, because he's got something on his mind. He'll be there for two minutes and then walk out and go do something else. And so we had four ordained pastors. And so they would, they would always, that was funny. They, they don't let don't let Bill go. Don't let Bill go see this person or go to the nursing home. But it, so that was beneficial. We were able to align our team and utilize the strengths of different people. When I began to teach at the seminary after retirement, taught a leadership course. I thought, you know, I think I'm going to introduce Clifton Strengths to that. So I utilized it. Did a little research on my own. Was not uh, certified, and just kept using it and you know talking about it, and it was beneficial. But I kept thinking, I want to go a little bit deeper with that because it seems like there's so much that I haven't mined. There's so much richness in all of that. So when I began the program, the Lilly program, I used that with the cohorts. And then I would bring in an outside consultant and have them speak into the lives of the people in the cohorts. Learned an awful lot. And then I began to think, well, 
if I'm paying a consultant to do this, why don't I just go do the training myself and we'll have the inside, have, have the inside person have it in house. And so I did that in the, uh, started in August of 19, did the first half of it. And then the second half of it in December of 19. And so that's when I began to do the Clifton strengths and, um, really enjoy working with it. It's a powerful, powerful piece that I, that I use. So yeah, a little bit about me. I'm born and raised on a farm in central Ohio. So grew up milking cows. My father was a tenant farmer, which means that he, we never did own the farm, but he farmed it for the landlord or the landlady. So we were the tenants. And so by the time I was in the eighth grade, let's see, I think lived in about 15 different places so pretty transient and um, i was kind of the wild card of five kids left home at 17 and never went back and kind of um, free spirit got out there on my own to see what the world had to offer and have been doing it ever since i love that i love your story and i could see why i felt the connection with you there's so many parallels different you know, I came from a network marketing, direct sales background, but kind of felt the same thing as you. It's just like, okay, God, where am I supposed to be here? Yeah. Where am I supposed to go? I feel like I'm I'm coming to the end of this phase, even though I thought I was going to be doing it for life. You may have felt that way as a pastor mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. couldn't imagine doing anything else. Mm-hmm. And But then that nudge, that tug, that mm-hmm. something's mm-hmm. different. And it kind of led me, same as you, I had been using the strengths mm-hmm. within the organization as an uncertified right, person right. Yeah. <laughs> and had others teach, but was using it, you know, just based on knowledge that you could pick up, you know, by following Gallup, by following the other coaches. <laughs> and, but yet the more, you know, the more you want to know, right. Absolutely. When it comes to Clifton yeah. strengths. And once you know, it, you can't not know it. Right. And, right. and, and so you just continue <laughs> to move forward and go, you keep diving into it a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper and, and more. Mm-hmm. It's like walking in a fog, you know, mm-hmm. you know that you're going, you've been to the destination or you know where you're going. You don't see it, but mm-hmm. you just keep taking the next step mm-hmm. and knowing that, um, that it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And we also have the same. So my dad, I know I've mentioned to you is he was military. So uh, yeah. totally get the transient life. And yeah. And that, but that sense of, I think it does create that sense of, um, to me, it did at least that sense of adventure, that sense that gypsy soul, I always say I have a gypsy mm-hmm. soul and I, I get very bored if I'm in one place, <laughs> drive my husband crazy with that one. But uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I understand. I yeah, and then there's, you know, the downside of that is the sense of where do I belong? And so there's that inner inner search journey. Mm-hmm. Where do I belong? Because I've been so transient all my life, uh, but where do I belong? And I think that's a process that continues to unfold for at least a person like me that has that adventuresome spirit that's filled with awe and wonder. One of the best pictures I have of my eldest son is he's two years old and I have a picture of him looking through a privacy fence at his grandparents' house where there was a hole. Mm-hmm. So he's just sitting there like this. And so I see him from, from behind and he's looking to see what's out there. Mm-hmm. That's what my life, I want my life to be like. I, I want to continually see what's out there, what's next. 
that does cause some problems sometimes because I need to, you know, be in the present. So what happens in the past can help me recast my present so I can master it better and prepare better for what's going to take place. Mm-hmm. And it's no surprise as I'm listening to this because you're, you're top five and we also share many similar talents in there, strategic ideation, activator, yeah. maximizer, and futuristic, yeah. uh, which I, you know, futuristics in my number one. So I think that's maybe part of that too, is we're always the what's next. What else is there? Yes. And maximizers, yeah. what's better? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is good. And listen, but I what got else a mi- is better for the future, right? Uh, I got a million ideas of what can be better for the future <laughs> right? with my ideation. <laughs> <Yes>. too. <laughs> and yes. activator, I'm going to get it going. Whatever's out there, I'm going to seek to discover. And if I mm-hmm. if I run into an obstacle, you know, I'm I'm persevering. I'm adaptable. I'll just find a detour. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, let's go to plan B. Plan B doesn't work. There's, well, there's got to be a plan C. If I haven't right. thought of it, I will. Right, right. Yeah. Where your strategic's coming in there. Mm-hmm. So it's, it mm-hmm. is, you know, so as you said, you know, you can't unknow it now. Like we, that's just the lens we look through now is just like, mm-hmm. oh, there's a strengths plate in there and how yeah. it all pieces together. It's you know, when I'm, when I'm working with either students or people in a cohort or I'm, I'm consulting and coaching folks and I have them walk through the, the Clifton strengths and I have them do the, I am a leader who exercise. Mm. And I literally, I, I have them take a moment to write it out in this, in this exercise, you take your top five strengths, like strategic, what is strategic to me? I am a leader who makes a plan, you know, ideation. I am a leader who has a lot of ideas, maximizer. I am a d- leader who seeks to uh, draw out the potential in others. Activator, I get things going. Futuristic, I can see where I'm going. I am a leader who. So I have people write those things out and then in the circle, in public, I have them read it out loud. And afterwards I say, okay, how did that feel? What do you think about that? Oh man, that felt awkward. Felt awkward. Yeah, but beyond that, yeah, that really felt good. I said, so now you have said it out there. You've objectified it. You've laid it out there for all the world to hear. Now there are no excuses Mm, because you have claimed it. You have said, I am a leader. And I think for a lot of people, that's just kind of a, an aha moment that goes, I've never thought of myself that way. And that really is what I do well as I dive into this and look at these various strains. And it's, it, you know, on surface level, when we first take a look at it, we might go, eh, I'm not real sh- certain. But if you spend a little time with them, mm-hmm. it, it is a powerful, powerful unfolding into our design, our wiring, what's right about us. And as we're able to embrace that and claim it, you know, that's the sweet spot. I tell people, you know, if you're working in your wheelhouse, if you're working in your sweet spot, if you're working in your strengths, that's what Paul is talking about. That's the peace that passes all understanding right there. You want that, that, you know, live into that. And, And even for folks who are not you know, don't have a faith base, you know, you can still look at, at working in your strengths and going, wow, that really resonates. That feels really good. This is what's right about me. And we don't thump people over the head with it. You know, it's, it's huge responsibility. I mean, this gift of 
our design and this gift of how we're wired is, is a huge responsibility. And we hold it gently, but firmly as we walk through this life, you know, utilizing it for the good of others, you know, serving other people, making a difference. And as I shared with you earlier, you know, my life vision statement for me personally is, you know, I'm here to make an impact, make a difference in the lives of people. And, and I don't say that with arrogance. I say that with great humility because it's, um, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Right. Right. I like that. I like that. It's interesting because I've never thought, you know, I do, again, depending on the audience, you know, talk about how a lot of time strengths is to me, biblically based, like, yes. you know, and I look at like the mm. parable of the talents and things mm. like that, the more obvious right. parallels there, but I love looking, oh yeah, I never thought about that and opening up, but I love that I am statement too of the leader. And I think that takes care because a lot of times we get to, especially today, I'm finding more and more leaders are becoming leaders or in a management position, a leadership position very quickly Yes, because of the nature of you know, part of the great resignation, the great mm-hmm. reshuffling, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're put into a leadership and they may not have thought of themselves as a leader yet. Or what I see a lot, and, and I fell into this trap too myself of as a leader, you're trying to be a leader based on the image you think a leader looks like, mm-hmm. acts like, talks like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you don't fit that image, we think there's either something wrong with us or you have that imposter syndrome. So I love that I am exercise because it shows you that you are a leader. If you show up this way, you're going to be an awesome leader. Sure. You certainly will do what you do exceptionally well. I think for a lot of the people who are moved into leadership uh, positions quickly, that there's confusion between leadership and authority. Mm. They may be put (laughs) in a position of authority and that that equates leadership and it really doesn't, you know, authority is something we may be given, but in terms of influencing others, we can't assume it. We can't assume our leadership. We have to earn it. And so, you know, I may be put in a position of authority where I, um, have a responsibility for a hundred people. But if I don't know how to navigate that and build relationships with people and to guide them and have their best interests, it's more, it's more of a, um, uh, rather than a pyramid, I like to think of it more as the leaders at the bottom and is in supporting the rest of the organization. And, and it's more of a servant role. Uh, Art Dupree, if you've, you know, the art of leadership, he founded, now now I've lost it, either Herman Miller or CO Case manufacturing firm, you know, and, and that was his approach to leadership was to serve people, make certain that people were okay. And if the people are okay, uh, well, this, this, or, this organization that I'm working for or with right now, this mm-hmm. manufacturing firm, they make parts, okay, for Caterpillar and Kubota and Case and those sorts of things. So steel parts. But in my conversations with them, I said, you know what, what you're doing now, you're more, you're more than just parts. You're really about people. That's what you are, uh, you know, and they go, oh yeah, that's right. We're building into our people. Mm-hmm. And when your people are built into the parts, take care of themselves. 
You know, if there's right. somebody there that's fully engaged, if they have a, a supervisor or some their team leader that is compassionate, provides stability and hope and trust, you know, those things that that employees need for vital engagement, it's going to work out well. And so I see, at least in my experience with this particular organization, I see how these leaders that I've been working with are now by design having conversations, fruitful conversations with with folks out on the floor, you know, the spot welder or the laser guy that runs the laser or the robot. And, and they're taking pride in their work. And it's just, you know, exponential greatness and not in terms of sales, but in terms of people power and what it's doing for their people. The result is exponential increase in sales, but uh, they're, they're not about the parts anymore. They're about the people. Right. I like that. And I want to go deeper with the doubting industries, the company you've sure, been sure. using the high performing teams program with. Yes, and yes. Uh, but we'll back up a little bit on that on okay. what that entails. But before we do, as I was listening to you talk about leadership, and I'm going to totally butcher the quote and I don't even know who it is. <laughs> but <laughs> all I can and you may maybe you'll know what I'm talking about, okay. but there is some quote out there that I've seen many times about if you're a leader and nobody's following you, you're just going for a walk. Right, right. John Maxwell. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you believe you're a leader and you're out there and you turn around and nobody's behind you, you're just taking a walk. Yeah, there you we know? go. <laughs> and I mean, that's, that's the basic essence of it. Yeah. And we've all been there. We think, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, I'm leading this show, you know. Right. And you, you, the train's left the station and you realize you're the only one on the train. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you've left everybody back at the depot. So mm-hmm. the leader that you, you might be a great leader, but if you don't have the influence and the people skills to get everybody on the train, to invite them to leave the depot and to go on this trip with you, then you're just going to take a nice train ride. Right. right. You know, <laughs> and, and you're not going to accomplish anything. And yeah. so, yeah, how does a leader do that? And, and it's by design. You don't trip into stuff like that. You don't, you don't by accident all of a sudden go, oh, yeah, I've influenced everybody. They're behind me. It is by design. I'm, I'm working with a gentleman right now who's a CFO of an organization. And um, he is, like a lot of CFOs, you know, very analytical, methodical, you know, T's crossed and I's dotted and so on and so forth. And uh, some of what I'm talking to him about is exercising the gifts that he has, and he does have them, of building relationships with people so that when he does say something, they go, oh, he has said this. This must be important because we've had conversations beforehand that have built trust, that have engendered hope, that provide a level of stability. And we know he has a compassionate heart, things that employees need from their team leaders. Yeah, good. So talking about being intentional, like it does take to become a great leader, you have to be intentional. You have to invest time into your leadership skills. You have to invest time into your people so Mm -hmm. you can grow that hope and trust and Mm -hmm. stability. And we both have been introduced to, through e to grow the high-performing teams program. Yes, yeah. And I know you've 
been highlighted actually on, you know, <laughs> in the Eat to Grow platform yeah. for your success story with the doubting industry. So I'd like to spend a little bit of time really talking sure. about that. And sure. if you want to start, maybe just share a little quick overview of what is the High Performing Teams program. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then we'll talk about how you've used it okay. with success with, you know, the company you've been working mm-hmm. with. High Performing Teams, we just you know, think about the title of that. Okay, we have these teams that are working together. Uh, you know, there's so many sports analogies, not that I necessarily want to use one, but a team that works together is the one that is going to be successful. If anybody watched the final four last night, you know, there was a team that was successful over the other team. They were a team that was working. They're a high performing team, high performing athletes. They didn't get there by accident. They practice, they work together, they work out. And so with any team, and we think that when we have teams, okay, you have these 10 people on this particular team, you're doing this particular thing in this particular organization. And so just go out there and do it, you know, but you really need to have conversations. I mean, one of the, one of the biggest things when I started working with the first team at doubting was I said, do you have do you have any weekly meetings? No, we never have meetings. I went, oh, have you thought about that? Yeah, you know, maybe that would help. What would you do at those meetings? Well, I don't know. I said, well, you could maybe talk about priorities of what needs to be done during the week. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, maybe we ought to have a team meeting. And, and so it was just helping them understand that your team is going to perform better if you're together as a team. Not if everybody's out there in their own silo doing their own thing. And so the cross-training and understanding what each other are doing, so on and so forth. But the high-performing teams provides a platform. The high-performing teams program provides a platform to have the conversation. It gives you an excuse to have the conversation that teams may not have unless it's designed for them. And some of them come into, I have to admit, some of them came into the first meeting going, oh, what am I doing in a meeting? I'm not a meeting person. I don't want to do this. But we had conversations. It took a while. It takes a while. Anytime you get a group of people together that are used to working basically on their own and you sit them down in a room because I did face-to-face. I didn't, didn't do uh, virtual with this group. And they go, gosh, I've never... I've never spoken to that person across the table more than three or four minutes, you know, in the 10 years that I've known him. And now we're sitting in here together for two hours. Oh my, this is going to be uncomfortable very quickly. And so the team leader or the, you know, coach has to be able to build interpersonal relationships and create a safe space, you know, for that to happen, get to know them, you know, build into them. And then they begin to talk about that. Oh, I never knew that about you. That's what high-performing teams does. It takes a look at everybody's top five. And if somebody's strategic or somebody's harmony, I got one team leader that her, her number one talent is harmony. And so when we got together with her team and who are all male and, and they went, oh, that explains a lot about her. Because she wants things. She wants us to feel good. Oh, okay. We can appreciate that. And one of them, even after a couple of weeks, said to her, you know, I respect now more what you have to say to me than ever before. I know that whenever you tell me there's something you need to do, 
that it's important because I trust you. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things I love with this program is it does give, it gives the tools to help facilitate great conversations, yeah. 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 effective conversations and that mm-hmm. appreciation and that respect for each other yes. of we're not, other people aren't trying to naturally irritate you, right. you know, <laughs> that's not it's their not, intent. It's not. Yeah. But, but the intent it's helping people understand to take a little bit deeper. All we see is behavior. We don't always see the intent. The behavior reveals what the intent is, but sometimes Mm -hmm. the behavior is misunderstood. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm high in harmony and somebody, they're high in competition, that's going to cause conflict with me, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I don't see their, I don't see their intent. I just see their behavior. So having those kinds of conversations, you know, those, they're dynamic. Every meeting is different. And you never know what to anticipate. HPT gives you a good framework to work with. They have tasks in between the meetings. It's a 14-week program. I think I figured out, let's see, with the new HPT, I spend about eight or nine hours with the team. And then that's over a 14-week period. And then in between, they have tasks. And that's what the platform does. The platform, the Eat to Grow app, you know, allows them to go in and they look at their colleagues' talents. They can give them a word of affirmation. They can go, okay, I'm very, I'm, I'm not very good at strategic, but this person is. I need some help with this plan. Hey, can you assist me with this? So team alignment and collaboration just goes off the charts when people begin to understand uh, the talents and gifts that, that their colleagues have and they can truly work together. Is it, is it, does it ever, is it ever perfect? No, no, it's not. But each group that I've worked with, I'm in my fourth HPT with doubting and probably have another six or eight to do. And each one of them, I start out with, okay, here's your team. You have XYZ team on a scale of one to 10. How are you doing? And I just leave it open-ended like that. How are you doing? Uh, we're about a five and a half or a six. Oh, okay. Boy, imagine what it would be like if you were an eight. Oh, wow. Well, that'd be amazing. I mean, that's almost a 50% increase. You know, and I'm not talking about production. I'm just talking about how your life would be, if nothing else. And at the end of the HPT, every one of them have made it significant increases in it's subjective, but their perception then is, yeah, we've moved from a five and a half. We're at an eight and a half. Look at what we can do. Okay. Now let's go that extra 15%. That's the tough. That's going to be the hard part. First 85, 90%. That's, that's easy peasy, but on the last 10%, that really takes some diligence and you continue to work at that. There'll be ebb and flow. Yeah, like it's like losing weight, right? Uh, <laughs> the first five yeah. or ten pounds will come off easier than the last five. It's the yeah, hardest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The hardest. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. To get it's there, the, yeah. the elite athlete, you know, mm-hmm. that that runs, they can take a second off of their time, but right. then that next tenth is is the most difficult piece. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And I love because you started with one piece of doubting and yes. they enjoyed it so much that like, okay, can you do this? Can you do yes. this? Right. Yes. So you yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's when I was first doing the, the, uh, the training, I did the first half of the Clifton strengths certificate training and I went, okay, all right. I need to start, you know, because I'm an activator. I wanted to use it 
Okay. Mm. I was using it in class and using it with cohorts and things like that, but I wanted to go outside of that and test it. So I found a couple of guinea pigs, you know, I went to my chiropractor. He has a fairly big practice. And I said, look, if you buy the book for your staff, I'll come in and do, and let them do the assessment. I will, this was before E to grow. Uh, I said, I will come in and do a two hour training with them. And he said, okay. So he let me do that. Or I said for free pro bono. And so I did it. And after I was done, I thought, yeah, I'm glad I didn't charge him. I wouldn't have paid for that. That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, you know, I had been having conversations with some of the people at Doubting. And I finished the second week of training in the first week of December of 19. And in the second week of December of 19, I was sitting in front of their C-suite uh, at Doubting, you know, CEO president and four VPs doing Clifton strengths. <laughs> and I spent about eight or nine hours with them and had a contract to, uh, as a matter of fact, I think I issued 75 as assessment codes for people in, in their organization. And that I was just going to design some stuff. I didn't have clue what I was going to do, but I was going to do whatever was next. And that was work with them <laughs> and had a contract signed with them. And then COVID hit. And in the meantime, I had, I found, saw something on LinkedIn, which was the timeline for E to grow. Okay. So I'm strategic. I'm activator. I'm a planner. And I saw that timeline that E to grow had developed in these different steps. And I went, I need to know more about this. So I went to the website, you know, didn't find a whole lot. This has been, when was that? 20, that was two years ago. So I just put on the website, you know, if you have questions, contact us. So I said, I have questions. I want to talk to somebody. So Peter reached out to me and I had three one-hour Zoom sessions with him, just peppering him with questions. And finally, I said, okay, I'm going to do this. So I was set up to go to San Jose, California in March of 2020 for face-to-face -face training. And then, you know, COVID hit. And so we shut that down. So in April, then they pivoted and I did the virtual, the virtual training. And it wasn't until a little over a year later that I had a contract to, to utilize it, uh, to utilize Eat to Grow. So it took a little bit, but I kept, you know, I already had my foot in the door at Downing. And I, I would say to them, hey, I've got this other program. I think that this is something you want to look at. You know, so I, I, would, I kept massaging that relationship. I knew that they were interested in Clifton. Uh, one of their VPs was in the middle of an MBA program, and he'd heard all about Clifton's. And so they were just kind of chomping at the bits. But, you know, this taking this next step with this, I mean, one of their VPs said, I ain't using, I'm not going to use an app. I'm not even on Facebook. You, you'll never get me to use that thing. He's the primary um, proponent of it now <laughs> because, <love> it. <laughs> because, I mean, he's always on it going, hey, you know, you ought to check with him over here as you pair, as you align, because it, it gives you at your, in your phone, all the um, ways to talk to members, their, their various strengths, ways to interact with them. This is a good way to set up a conversation. This is, uh, uh, you can, you can pair your strengths together. And it's just a, a phenomenal piece. So I finally was able to sell them the first one. I say sell them to that. I, I nearly gave it to them because I just <laughs> wanted to do practice, it, yep. you know, mm -hmm. practice it. Mm -hmm. And um, 
we came out of that, or we didn't come out of it, probably about the 10th week into the 14-week program, one of the VPs came to me and says, hey, we've got another team in mind. You know, and so I was trying to get a sense for really where they were going. Their organizational structure is fairly fluid and other than their C-suite, you know, from there, you know, who the team leaders are and the various departments, that sort of thing. And then I discovered the reason it was dynamic is they were kind of using me to help them organize it through eat to grow And they went, well, we think this is a team. So can you work with them? So here's the shipping and customer service. Here's the launch pad. They do the design of all the parts. So it did both of them and just had some great response. Then they came to me in October of last fall. No, September, late, late September. And they said, okay, we have a team of four. Who are they? Well, two plant managers and the people who run the customer service and the person who runs the launch pad. So the launch pad are the people, they get the, the order, they design the product, the plant managers produce it, and the customer service and shipping ships it to the, to the customer. So those four people are key, and they were not working together at all. They were, there was undermining there was sabotage. They were getting in the way. They weren't having communication, uh, fights, fusses. So they came to me and they said, can you do something with them? <laughs> and so I said, well, you know, we could do this after the first of the year because it was, you know, I didn't have 14 weeks. They said, we can't wait. And I said, okay. So I, I mean, you know, this is what I do kind of on the side because I have a full-time gig. Mm-hmm. You're and retired. I'm re- and I'm retired. <laughs> yeah. And plunking retirement. I'm plunking it well. And so I, I worked it out and I, I did the 14-week program with, I call them the production management team because they're the ones that were the key ingredient in order to be able to fulfill the vision of the company. And that was to double their sales in the next five years with the same number of people. And I said, okay, that's a tall order. So we went through that nine week program, finished it in December and December, their December sales was a record month. December had always in the 60 years of the organization had always been the slowest month record sales. I went, okay, that's good. So I met with them after the first of January, the leadership team. They said, we had record sales. I went, okay. I said, what can you do now? What can you do now? So I got on a call with Eat to Grow folks and found the high-performing leader. So I said, we can do the high-performing leader. So those four are now going through the high-performing leader. They had record sales in January, record sales in February, record sales in March. Each one is bigger than the previous month. And so the C-suite, the, the leadership is going, oh, my gosh, this is exactly what we were hoping would happen. So the HPT done three times, and now I'm doing HPL, which is a high-performing leader, which I have three one-on-one coaching conversations in that program with each one of those leaders. And that has been powerful. And just guiding them into how to have conversations where you where you set your mindset, you you go and have a conversation with a person, you frame it. It's it's establishing expectations 
you know, and just a whole process. And they said, it's just working marvelously because uh, so often we might say, Hey, I need you to do thus. And so, you know, and then it doesn't get done or it doesn't done. You don't explain your expectations. And then they brought to me, they said, okay, we we've identified 10, basically what we're calling emerging leaders. We're going to make them team leaders. Can you do something with them? Okay. I'll do, so I'm running those 10 people through HPT and each one of those 10 will have their own team. So I've got another eight or nine or 10 HPT programs with doubting. Actually, they, they all but offered me a full-time job, uh, <laughs> a month, you know, to yeah. be their in, to be uh-huh. their in-house coach, yeah. to be available for coaching sessions with people. Mm-hmm. And I so I'm, I'm, I'm not quite available just yet. Right. But that one company, it's a family owned company. And how many? Um, 200 employees, size? 200 employees, about mm-hmm. $50 million a year mm-hmm. in sales. Well, they've just in the past, they, they were 40 million last year. They're on target for 55 this year. Wow. They want to be up to 75 or 80 in two years. Great. And they said with the same number of same people. Same number of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and they've actually told me, they said, the sales are already there. All we have to do is sign the contracts. We just haven't signed the contracts because we couldn't produce. So I'm helping them get all of those um, things lined out so that they can produce. And, and it'll happen. And, and they're marvelous. You know, they have, they have great incentives for their employees, bonuses, and bonus programs, and and um, and they want to. They want me to start <laughs> a leadership component for their organization, you know, and call it Doubting You, <laughs> <laughs> Doubting University. <laughs> they said because yeah. you know there are some folks that you know we need to build into them. They're never going to be a team leader. You know, mm-hmm. they're always going to be a spot welder. They're always going to run a laser. But we want to build into them as well. Right. So trying to figure out some things. And there, there's another thing that, that E2Grow has. It's called bite-sized boosts, which are month-long little pieces of uh, leadership development. So I'm taking a look at those and thinking of designing some things myself and have talked to some of the folks at E2Grow and said, okay, can I customize you know, mm-hmm. E2Grow? Based, and they said, yeah, you can. Mm-hmm. But it's having the bandwidth to be able to develop that content. Right. Which I think I told about, told you earlier. You know, I want to level up this year. I want more time to develop. Right. <laughs> develop, yes, yes. So, uh, so we are getting close to the end of our time oh my, here. Time I know time sure does. But sugar, I had another question for you. But just with the oh, going back with the high performing leaders, the group, yes. the four, because I know there was yes. some, as you mentioned, some major conflict. Mm-hmm. So what's the change that you're seeing now within those that group that with the conflict piece? We saw the, okay. the profits part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so the top theme or strength of each one of them, one plant manager, his top strength is strategic. His second one is command. Okay. Another plant manager, his top strength is belief. And his second is restorative. The other two are female. One is empathy, top. And one is harmony top. So basically, and this is broad general statement, just my observation is, okay, I've got two thinkers and I've got two feelers. How do I bring thinkers and feelers together? Because when you talk to thinkers, you say, what do you think about this? When you talk to feelers, you say, what do you feel about that? 
So how can thinkers and feelers have conversations? So in the, in the groups, when I was meeting with them face to face and I'd hear some things and I'd say, you know, it sounds like there's a conversation that needs to take place here. Is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. The two of us need to have a conversation. Are there some things you need to clear the air? Yes, we do. Okay. That's my challenge to you is to have that conversation, clear the air. And when we get back together, we'll talk about it a little bit more. So in essence, it was providing a safe space and a reason to have the conversations and to help them to move beyond the reasons that they were frustrated with each other. Because oftentimes, you know, I just want to be angry. I just want to be upset with that person. Okay, well, let's take away the reason that you're upset with him or her, you know. And so we just continued to work. Now, it's not all hunky-dory at this point, you know. I mean, there's still some flare-ups, you know, occasionally between them uh, because the, the strategic command person, you know, he's he has all of the plan in his mind. And what I'm working with him is to, you have to tell, tell others because you're just out there walking by yourself. That's all you're doing, but you want to be a leader. And the woman whose top one is empathy, she's really the most influential person in that group of four and has kind of taken a, the overall convener kind of role. And so in some of the groups, she'll say, you know, we need to have a conversation about, about this because we're not, we've tasted what it's like to really work together. Mm, I love that. Once you've tasted it, <laughs> you want once more. you've tasted yeah. the fine wine, you can't go back to the junk stuff. Right. You just can't do it. Not if you have a, a level of integrity. And these are integrous people. And so that's what I keep bringing back to them mm-hmm. is let's remember. Let's remember what you tasted and that, that that's, that's where you want to be. Mm-hmm. So. Great, great. Well, that's exciting to see, you know, what you've already been able to do within that company and what the future, you know, that there's more, there's more to come. There's more to come. And I, just think and I don't know if we ever end, right? With no. mistakes development or just learning community, you know, it is communication mm-hmm. skills, mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. skills, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's about, uh, it's about relationships. And, and in this day and age in, in leadership, it's under one of the greatest things that people desire is to be understood. You know, I say something, I hope that this person understands me or to be understood. So team leaders, you know, being able to understand their team members and to, and to show that and to have the capacity to stop for a moment and get off whatever high horse they may or may not be on, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not sinking to a level. It's not, it's, I think the more of your authority that you give away and let go of, the more it will come back to you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, And it frees. It's so much more freeing that way. It's less stressful on you. Don't take you. Why take on Mm -hmm. so much that you don't have to take on when there's more capable people. Sure. Absolutely. That can do it better sometimes than we Uh can. Uh We need to be open to that. But, Mm -hmm. but yeah, but go back to what you said about people just want to be understood and heard. And that's what I've seen you know, I've been running through the the high performing teams program with the fire yeah. company and the four captains there. And that's what I'm hearing from them is that they are appreciating having a platform where they can come 
a safe environment and just yeah. vocalize and be heard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're saying is like, I just appreciate being heard. And to know yeah. that I'm not the only one thinking this way, that you're not uh-huh. alone. Uh-huh. You know, they all came into the program thinking they were the only one who had mm-hmm. all these feelings mm-hmm. and had all these, mm-hmm. you know, problems that they thought they were, that everybody else was dealing with it all right. good. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. And they all have that common, even though they're different talents, different strengths, but we all have this like, no, we're all dealing with mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. A lot of the concepts mm-hmm. that I utilize in this program with the seminary with pastors, it's called Thriving in Church Ministry, where I seek to create a safe space so that they can care, learn how to care for themselves. What are the resources that I need in order for me to function properly? Build bonding relationships with other people and sustainability in this vocation. So that I can do this long term and not get burned right. out. Right. Yeah. right. And really, really, that's what HPT is about. You know, that's what looking at strengths is. Okay, I understand. But I shouldn't be the one going to the hospital making hospital calls. If my <laughs> yeah. empathy, that's just going to frustrate me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's yes. not taking, that's putting myself in harm's way. Yeah. I shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Let somebody better do that and acknowledge that I just don't have it. I can't do that. And that's okay. That's right. okay. I don't have to be everything. Yes. I just yes. need to be me. I just want right. to be the best me that I can. Right. And that's what I was going to say. Do you find, I find myself all the time and literally walking around with the phone in my hand saying, I wish I had this when I was leading a hundred women in direct sales. I wish I had this app oh, at my wow. fingertips. I mean, uh, uh. you find that same thing when you were pastoring a church. Oh, that, yeah. Like, uh, abs- how much abs- better we could have been. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I look, I look back and I've, I use a lot of anecdotes and, you know, illustrations. Yeah. I had this one group, you know, we had a, we had a building team. We were going to do a $4 million building expansion. And there was one guy on that that drove me nuts, you know, and, and I've looked back and I went, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is where I failed as a leader. I didn't know what he needed. And, I didn't take a look at what he brought to the table and utilize his strengths. I put him in an awkward situation. And so that was my failing as a leader. And that's what a leader is responsible for. A leader is, I believe, and so, so Maximizer, yeah, it's in my top five. But every leader needs to either do it her or himself or have somebody that can. And that is to pull out the potential, the gift of what's right about everybody because that's the piece where the piece that passes all understanding. That's mm-hmm. the wheelhouse. That's the sweet spot. That's the, Oh man, I get to do this. Right. Right. This is great. So on that, we're going to uh, finish this up, wrap this up. I could go on and on and we're, we're definitely going to have to, I think you may be a regular on the show, Bill. I just really uh, enjoy the conversation and yeah. I know we could, go in so many different directions as we, as we talked about before oh, we even hit the record button um, more yet to come. But as we close things down, any favorite quote or book that you would like to share um, with the listeners? You know, I have, I have you the favorite quote. I believe that, that we've each been wired and designed, you know, that it's a great gift that we receive and to claim that, and to say, yes, this is who I am, and to not say that with arrogance, but to say it with humility. So I like what Teresa Avila had to say, and that is, humility is walking in the truth of who you are. So if the truth of who I am 
is a person that's strategic ideation, activator, maximizer, and futuristic. That's not being arrogant. That's being humble. If I say, I can't do those things, or I think I have a better idea of how I should be wired or designed, then I believe that's arrogance. Okay. Favorite books, it's, it's difficult to... You know, I, I love some of the, the writings of those individuals, philosophers, theologians that went through the Holocaust, Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, Martin Buber, I and Thou, understanding the differentiation between here I am on this earth, but yet I look around and something brought this all into being. It must be a thou or Moral Lindbergh's Gifts of the Sea. Uh, Henry Nouwen's Lead Like Jesus, Adrian Boncom, Transcend Itself. All of those books have shaped and formed me into seeking to grab a hold of what is right now and utilizing it for the good of anybody that I can provide some measure of good or some impact to or for. Mm, that's great. Well, Bill, I knew this would be like I said, a great conversation and I really truly did enjoy it. And I hope those of you listening that you grab some of the nuggets here. There were a lot of great nuggets shared of wisdom and on leadership and the high performing teams and just thriving, you know, thriving yeah. in life. And that's what we all want to do. And Bill, I'm so glad that you aren't taking your flunking retirement because you have a lot of thriving left to do uh, yeah. and gifts to give the world. So, yeah, that'd be a great conversation for us. What does it mean to thrive? Yes. And not just survive, not just hang on. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That'll be the next podcast that we do okay. together. Right. Okay. <laughs> Sherry, thank you so much. It is an honor and a privilege uh, to be with you. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. And if you enjoyed the conversation with Bill, I invite you to head over to the Navigating Your Leadership podcast website and learn more about all the great things he has going on and find out how to connect with him. And if you're curious to learn more about the high-performing teams or high-performing leadership programs and wondering if either and or both are a great fit for you and or your organization, I'd invite you to either book a call with me and we can discuss your goals and aspirations or shoot me an email at sherry at navigatingyourleadership.com or on the same website, Navigating Your Leadership podcast website. And let's connect. Let's have a chat. Find out which of the programs will help you reach your goals for 2022 with more ease and excellence. I look forward to connecting with you. My hope and prayer is that today's episode left you feeling inspired and empowered with some tangible steps to implement today. But honestly, the podcast is just the beginning. Through my coaching, my clients learn how to lean into their strengths to create their unique style of leadership along with gaining strategies to create dynamic and productive teams, teams with a mutual passion and respect for each other. Whether you just need a few small course corrections or you feel like you need an entirely new ship to lead, I do love a challenge. I'd love to invite you to send me a DM or better yet, let's hop on a call and see how we can continue this leadership journey together. The link to book a call is in the show notes. I look forward to hearing from you.